And so, you know, we've U.S. a lot of U.S. policy and guidance has kind of limited uh, South Korea's capabilities and led them to, you know, I would say historically they have they have partnered. They have collaborated more extensively with Russia on space than they have with us, right? They, uh, Russia was a was a key partner um, with their prior with the prior launch vehicle, um, and then with with many launch contracts. From the Defense and Aerospace Report, this is the Downlink, a podcast about the intersection of space, the space business, and defense—not just what's over the horizon, but what's happening above it. I'm your host, Laura Winter. Hello, and welcome back. While I realize the whole planet is quite rightly focused on Israel, Hamas, Gaza, and the Middle East in general, we can't take our eyes off of what's happening in space in the Far East. This episode is taking a look at what my guest calls a mature yet overlooked spacefaring nation. And this nation, this month, 70 years ago, signed a mutual defense treaty with the United States. But because of the need to keep missile technology secure, the U.S. limited space collaboration because, well, after all, missile launchers and space rockets are dual-use technology. So this nation which now has its own homegrown space launch capability, is preparing to launch its first of five native national defense intelligence satellites before the end of the year. And it developed this space heritage mostly with the help of Russia. I'm talking about the Republic of Korea, the ROK, or the ROK. That's democratic South Korea, not the dictatorship run by the dangerously loony megalomaniac in the North. In fact, South Korea's Korea Aerospace Industries Limited just this week signed a memorandum of understanding with Saudi Arabia's space agency to develop space technology and invest in startups. It should be noted that that while Korea Aerospace Industries is a publicly traded commercial entity, the South Korean government and Korea's National Pension Service together own more than 36% of the company. Now in August, at the time my guests started arguing for closer U.S. space security cooperation with the ROK, U.S. President Joe Biden hosted a security summit with Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and South Korea's President Yoon Suk-yeol. The joint statement they released featured space security cooperation. In fact, President Yoon, beginning with his 2022 presidential campaign, has been clear that he views developing national and commercial space capabilities is a priority. And almost a year ago, the Yoon administration released a roadmap to transform the nation into a a space economy power. To better understand just what is driving South Korea, I spoke with Sam Wilson of the Aerospace Corporation. He recently co-authored a brief on South Korea's space activities. Here's our conversation. Hey, Sam, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Laura, it's a pleasure to be back. As you know, before we start talking about South Korea and its security and its space programs, Take a moment to introduce yourself, where you are and what you do at the Aerospace Corporation. Uh, thanks, Laura. Yes, um, I'm with the Center for Space Policy and Strategy, which is our like quasi-think tank, quasi-policy shop uh, within the Aerospace Corporation. Uh, within the Center for Space Policy and Strategy, I lead our national security space team. 
And I'm normally in Los Angeles, but to uh, be like five miles from you, I'm, I came to, I flew to DC to record this podcast. Oh, so close yet so far away. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got to figure that one out. So let's get into the conversation. You've written that South Korea is a mature space nation. And I think it's really fair to say that South Korea as a spacefaring nation isn't on the radar of many of us here inside the Beltway. So first explain what is a mature space nation and why does South Korea meet that standard? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it's a fair question. You know, I, I'd first just say I don't have a a sharp standard in my mind, right? Um, South Korea, though, to me, is clearly a mature space nation, right? They have an independent space launch capability. They're among the you know ten biggest spenders on space. Um, you know, they're developing their own positioning, navigation, and timing uh, system, which would make them you know one of a handful of nations that have their own uh, independent um uh space-based pnt system so that that's called the the kps the korean positioning system so i you know i think on a, a variety of metrics you know you look at south korea and i think it's clear that that they should be considered a mature space nation um even though it's not one that's obvious and even though they've they had a late start uh to space compared to some of the other uh, nations that we think about just to satisfy my own curiosity South Korea also launched a lunar orbiter, and it's already around the moon. How did they launch that? I mean, did they launch it on their own launch vehicle, or did they pay for somebody else to do it? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. So I'd have to look it up. You know, I find it kind of odd, though, that it has only been recently that the United States and the Republic of South Korea have started collaborating more closely on space and security issues. I mean, we are allies after all. But for our audience, what's probably not so well known is the fact that South Korea's first citizen in space is a cosmonaut. South Korea sent Yi Soyeon to Russia to train and then eventually blast off in the Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. But cooperation with Russia didn't stop there, right? So before we start talking about how the level and quality of space and security cooperation has been changing between the U.S. and South Korea, I think it'd be really helpful to understand first what's blocked closer cooperation in the past and then later, why South Korea is canceling its satellite launch contracts with Russia, which has been so helpful in the past. And, and this was reported, this, this you know contract cancellation, it was reported in the Korea Times this month. Sam, can you explain? Yeah, great question. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's a really fascinating issue, right? Because they are a close ally. Um, but with respect to defense-based collaboration and, and almost space collaboration generally, you know, there isn't a, a lot of history uh, with the U.S. and South Korea. Um, and that's been because of uh, restrictive export controls, um, uh, limits on, on missile capabilities. And so, you know, we've U.S., a lot of U.S. policy and guidance has kind of limited uh, South Korea's capabilities and led them to, you know, I would say historically they have they have partnered 
they have collaborated more extensively with Russia on space than they have with us, right? They, uh, Russia was a was a key partner um, with their prior with the prior launch vehicle, um, and then with with many launch contracts, you know. And I think just kind of the relationship um, between the countries uh, recently has been deteriorating, you know, with uh, as the relationship with Russia has been deteriorating with a lot of countries um, uh, given their invasion in Ukraine. But you know, I think for the U.S. This is, you know, if we look there, we haven't had a lot of cooperation, but I think things are changing. Also, just to go back to, you know, the deteriorating relationship with Russia, I mean, there's a lot going on in there. If you start peeling back the onion, Russia just hosted, you know, the leader of North Korea and they had their summit, you know, the very first place was at a space vehicles factory, right? So there's, there's kind of, you know, friends, maybe for just for fair weather times, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very interesting, but it's not entirely surprising. I I think, you know, given, given the, I would say the the global consensus around what Russia has done, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just worth emphasizing that these two countries, Russia and South Korea were significant, you know, they, they collaborated extensively on, on space collaboration. And we, the U.S. ally, um, haven't uh, contributed with them. Um, you know, I would say I probably wouldn't want to have written this paper five years ago, right? <laughs> because I don't think there's like a great story to tell. Um, but now, you know, I, I do think that that's changing, right? Like, and, um, you know, I think there's, it's it's not only changing now, but but I think there's also a lot of opportunity for for future growth between U.S. and South Korea in this in this area. So besides Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its buddying up with North Korea ostensibly to, you know, get more armaments, there were things that were already changing before this. So what has changed? And that's starting with what were the steps that led South Korea to become the 10th signatory to the Artemis Accords in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, and, you know, we recently had this paper, this country brief kind of talking about um, South Korea's, you know, not just their, uh, their, the history of their space activity, and not only kind of what they're trying to focus on now, but but also some of the diplomatic um, efforts too. And you know, South Korea has been closely has been positioning themselves closer with the United States on some of these dim- diplomatic issues. And and it's not just on Artemis Accords; it's also been on norms. Right? You have this you know Russian China model of kind of focusing on. Um, weapons in space or their efforts called uh, PEROS, the prevention of an arms race in outer space, or PPWT, the prevention or the prohibition on the placement of weapons in space. And, and the U.S. has had this all alternate approach, right? Like we're trying to focus on norms, um, you know, what are responsible behaviors in space? And, and South Korea has been, you know, slowly transitioning uh, to, to, focusing to, to aligning more closely with us on some of these diplomatic efforts, in addition to us starting to, to talk more about um, defense-based collaboration and defense-based partnerships. And what I found also so interesting is that South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol is laser focused on developing national and commercial space capabilities. He spoke about space and the Republic 
in his 2022 campaign. I mean, didn't he pledge to make South Korea a space power by 2035? You know, this is a long and strategic vision here. You know, what are all the space and security goals he's trying to achieve? You know, is there really a plan? And if there is one, you know, I I would imagine it would be tied very much to the security challenges of the Korean Peninsula and the greater neighborhood. You know, Sam, paint us the picture. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time, I think, to be thinking about South Korean space activity because Yoon has made this a, a national priority. Um, you know, and and you're right, right on the campaign trail, he was talking about this. Uh, once he was elected, he was talking about this. He's made um, the the establishment of uh, what's being called CASA, um, their national space agency. He's he's talked about that uh, several times. Um, and then you have this year, you had the release of their their space uh, policy and their five year space plan and really ambitious uh, goals, right? And and I'd say you know it was also ground in a lot of reality. So, you know, one of the things is they want to be a, a huge player on the commercial side. They acknowledge how much right now of the commercial activity they make up, which is a very small percentage. And they they have a goal to, to get that to 10%. They want their commercial industry to represent 10% uh, of the industry by by 2030, I believe. And, and then on the, the government development, I mean, there's a a, lot, a spectrum of capabilities that they want to develop um, as government systems. Uh, they also want to, to transfer some of the government systems to commercial industry. So, so it was really interesting, you know, some of these goals with respect to the number of, of spacecraft that, that they want to develop, uh, the different types of spacecraft, um, the focus on commercial, a lot of attention on commercial, and, and also, you know, thinking about international partnerships too, right? You know, and that's both on the, the government side as well as the commercial side, trying to help commercial uh, create partnerships with other nations and uh, with foreign companies, um, as well as uh, use their government, their government capabilities, uh, develop their capabilities in this way too, right? So, you know, you can do, I think they're recognizing, right? Like you can do a lot more in space if you're not just having the government uh, build custom capabilities, right? Like you're able to, you can exploit commercial services that already exist. You can try to build up your industry um, and you can try to partner with other nations, right? So all, all these opportunities um, I, I expand what's possible and how you can extract value from the domain. I hate to bring you back in a sense to, you know, the government side of this equation, yeah. But how does this actually, you know, fold into their security goals, considering, well, they're in kind of a funky neighborhood? Yeah, it's a good question. No, I mean, if you look at the a lot of the capabilities that they've been developing so far, you know, a lot of them have been remote sensing capabilities looking down at Earth, right? And that's not um, entirely surprising. And, you know, some of those are are purely civilian and scientific, but but certainly, you know, some of the um, remote sensing company uh, uh, capabilities are probably thinking about, you know, the North Korea, what are North Korea's launches look like? And um, and so and we've seen some interest uh, from South Korea when when I was there a year ago on missile warning, too. Right. Which is which is another one of those, you know, very 
very uh, exquisite, very uh, few countries have their own missile warning capabilities. So, you know, I, I do think you're, you know, what's happening in North Korea is affecting how they're thinking about uh, some of their space, uh, some of their space ventures. So I think the plan was called, if I'm not mistaken, the Fourth Space Development Promotion Basic Plan, not exactly yes. the cutest name in the whole wide world, but it is kicking off South Korea's push to be that major space power and support its security aims. There was also that Camp David meeting just this August with U.S. President Joe Biden and Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and South Korea's President Yoon. Their joint statements said they inaugurated a new era a trilateral partnership. And in that statement, it was clearly stated that space security cooperation is part of that partnership. What is it at? actually mean you know like what does it entail like with japan and the u.s and korea you know what are they how are they cooperating how does this work yeah it's a great question and and it's a huge issue you know this came out like the day before our paper was released so it was really um it was really exciting to see that happen we we do talk a little bit about the idea of trilateral partnership on defense space activity you know, I was I was in Seoul giving a talk uh, some months ago, and 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 I I was giving a talk, and my presentation was about why Japan and South Korea, independent of one another, are both really important countries for the United States to focus on in, in terms of building defense space partnerships, and and so I gave this talk, and and a. Uh, um, an Iraq uh, Air Force general uh, responded and he said, you know, I, I, I agree with what Sam said here, but I think we should go further. I think we need to be doing trilateral defense-based collaboration and, and developing capabilities collectively. And that was, you know, I was struck by that. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds great. I didn't think, you know, that, that was, was on the table. Um, and then, and then, fast forward, right now you see, um, you see this uh, this Camp David summit. Um, I think it's really encouraging that that we're starting these conversations. You know, since that summit, you also heard uh, I mentioned missile warning. Uh, the three countries talking about sharing missile warning information, uh, space-based missile warning information. So, really interesting uh, developments. Um, you know, I think it's unclear precisely what this looks like. Is this you know, just the U.S. sharing some information with them? Is this starting the road down toward, you know, maybe more interoperable architectures or integrated capabilities? You know, one of the things that we talk about in our paper is the idea of trying to develop an integrated PNT system between, uh, for, for what uh, South Korea is developing and what the U.S. has, right? And, and you know, I mean, if, if you went down that road, you know, Japan has also its own PNT system, right? And so you could, you know, the extent that you can try to make make sure those architectures are interoperable and integrated, um, or integrated, right? Like you can you can have um, you can achieve higher precision, more resilience. So there's really, I think, intriguing opportunities here. If uh, if if this, um, you know, and a whole spectrum of of activities and a whole spectrum of involvement. You know, it's just was thinking about what you said about interoperability, you know, that is being as part of the Artemis Accords, both Japan and South Korea are signatories to the Accords and early ones at that. 
Another thing, though, that comes up when we're thinking about interoperability is that Space Force has a footprint both in South Korea and is going to, you know, it, it seemingly is in the final stages of having a bit of a footprint also in Japan, ostensibly, at least according to um, the chief of space operations, uh, to better coordinate with the Japanese military space operators. So where, is, where am I going with this? Well, when I start thinking about early missile warning, that's infrastructure and that's time. I mean, are they really going and 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 thinking about investing in all that? Because that's quite a coordinated effort that that does require infrastructure for it to actually be meaningful, right? Yeah. Well, so so the U.S. has um, does what's called a shared early warning system with some allies now, and you know it, it shares. You know certain information um, that's quickly. Warning. You know, th- but this isn't, yeah, quickly. But it's not. You know, you're you're not getting. You know, you're you're not getting necessarily what the U.S. officials who are getting cybers data are getting, right? right. Um, uh, space, oh, it's worth asking, system. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because no, I mean, it's, it's a, a good thing. Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, to preview this, I I have a paper coming out in a couple of months that's uh, with a. Uh, uh, a Japanese uh, expert on on space that's that's looking at the, the the idea of the U.S. and Japan partnering on on missile warning and missile track. Um, so I'll make sure to to send that to you. But, but you know we, we've we've been doing this with Japan. We, we've already been sharing some missile warning information uh, with Japan, but but not necessarily you know the full spectrum of of uh, of our data. And lastly, and this is also in the international relations sort of realm, you know, with the foundation that you've just given us, I'd like to have your take on this week's news of an agreement between Korea Aerospace Industries, which is a South Korean commercial entity, and another U.S. ally and also Artemis Accord signatory, and that's Saudi Arabia. They have agreed to cooperate in developing space technologies and support commercial space startup companies. Sam, you know, what does this mean in the grand scheme? I mean, I also just, I, I think this is an interesting example, and you alerted me to this, and it shows the kind of the dynamism of kind of what's happening in space. And, you know, we used to think about, well, you know, partnerships are between countries or you know maybe partnerships are between companies um or maybe even partnerships are between you know governments and their own companies but now you're you're seeing these 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 old frameworks are kind of breaking right and and this is an example of a you know a commercial company partnering with a foreign government and, and i mean you're just you know these these lines between you know commercial and civilian and national security and foreign, they're all becoming blurrier, right? And and it's really, I think it's it's an interesting and it raises a lot of important questions. But, you know, and I'd say that taking a step back to one of the things that I think is really encouraging about where for the on the US side is, you know, what's happening with South Korea is just one example, I think, of of a of a different approach, right? We're trying to the U.S. government, I think, is trying to embrace defense-based partnerships and trying to help those countries develop their own architectures, right? 
use your own, develop your own architectures, develop your own industry. And then let's just try to make sure that, that our systems speak to your systems, right? Or maybe in some cases, let's try to integrate those systems, uh, which can allow us both to achieve more than if we were just doing it on our own. So, you know, I, I think this is a key talking point of, of DOD and Space Force leadership. To be fair, this has been a talking point in the past, but I also think that you're really seeing um, some significant developments and and this this culture change a bit uh, of trying to embrace uh, some of these different models. Obviously, there's a lot of focus right now on trying to think about how to use commercial. Um, but I, you know, I think thinking about our our allies and our, our partners uh, along these lines is is really important too, right? Because you know the the value that we get from from us working together is goes beyond simply us being able to take advantage of their systems and them being able to take advantage of our systems. It's, you know, it's, it's fostering, uh, it's fostering good partnership in an important area that is contested. Right. So I, I think it, it, it plays, there's geopolitical benefits of this uh, in addition to the actual, just being able to exploit more and capable systems. I think I'd put it this way and, 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 you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like developing the Artemis ecosystem, right? The interoperability, uh, viewpoints on the world, diplomacy, the whole thing. And that, you know, maybe the U.S. doesn't need to be involved in every single deal, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's a great point. And, you know, there's been, whenever I, I talk about kind of the limits of what we've done in terms of defense-based collaboration, I always have to say, well, we do a lot. We've done a lot of civilian space cooperation, right? So, I mean, the civilian side has forever been a an extremely um, a, a, has been extremely focused on trying to build uh, international partnerships. We just haven't done that on the defense side uh, as much, and I think you know now now that's changing. But but again, you know, on the civilian side, there's just a great history of this. Sam. Thank you so much for your time. This was, a, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. That's it for this week. If you like what you're hearing, follow The Downlink on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For the latest defense news and analysis, listen to the Daily Defense and Aerospace Report podcast hosted by Vago Maradian and listen to Cavish Ships to hear the latest on what's happening in the maritime domain. I'm Laura Winter, and thank you for listening.